Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amateur Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek. Join this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Jordan Eggleston on Twitter at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast all season long. Obviously, this is the last podcast Jordan and I will record this season where we have a Big Ten team versus a Big Ten team uh, before we move into the postseason for the teams that are lucky enough to keep playing into the holiday season as we are, I think, exactly 26 days away from Christmas. Uh, Christmas is it's kind of like a Christmas for us on Saturday. Uh, me and you, I was just sitting here thinking, I guess I had this in my stat or in my notes later, but I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it now. Unless my math is incorrect, there were 126 Big Ten games played this season. If my Again, if my math is correct, which oftentimes it's not, but I believe there are 14 teams in the conference. And I believe if you take 14 times nine, you, you get 126, right? So that is correct. I just right. did the math on the fly. Yeah. So pretty crazy that, you know, me and you started recording back in August. We started talking in July where I kind of brought it up to you like, Hey, you know, it uh, doesn't look like Kurt's going to be able to make it this season. Would you be interested? We were, you were the, the favorite. Iowa was either the favorite or the second favorite. With that being said, again, 126 games that take place for this to wind up where it's my squad and your squad at the end of the year. It's it's kind of cool for for me and you. I don't know about the other team people. Listening it feels to like podcast. poetic justice, right? I mean, for for the eyes on Big Pod, it just it just feels right. It's just how it should. I be. like it. I like it. Never was going to be the case. Yeah, I'm not complaining. No, no, no. I don't think either either one of us are are going to complain. Although I do have a couple things to complain about once we get closer to the game so anyways uh pretty cool you know uh that for us again there's i just keep thinking about everybody else is like yeah screw these guys what the hell are they talking about as the ohio state and nebraska and minnesota fans that probably flat out refuse to listen to this podcast are listening or, or the few that are listening are probably puking in their mouths but uh anyways thanks for all of the eyes on big listeners for coming along with jordan and i all year long hopefully we have you for a little bit longer as we move uh into the rest of the games that we have left folks you got to just squeeze out the joy every joy that you can get from the last college football games we have left we we are in the final run here we tried we tried to warn you weeks ago that this <laughs> season flies by and it's going to be over before you know it and now we're looking at the regular season's wrapped up. We got conference championship week and then bowl season and then yep, that's it. Another sad long time of year with with no college football. Yeah. It's, it's, it's depressing. What I always think about is I love being at Iowa games, the 3, you know, 2 3 4 I go down to I really love my days by myself or maybe a special guest in the downstairs athletic club where I got two TVs going at the same time, kind of watching three games. I I might have a financial interest in a game or seven. It's just, don't get me wrong. Game or seven is very, very accurate. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Like, my kids doing something cute and fun and surprising you with an ability that they pick up, that's the best, most rewarding thing I have going on in my life. I like my college football Saturdays very much. You know, this I'm not a I'm not a big golfer anymore. This is the stuff that gets me, and it's gonna be sad. It's always sad when it goes away. Yeah, you cherish you cherish the moments that you got. I mean, it doesn't. Nobody's saying that this has to be your number one priority, but on Saturday afternoons in the fall, it takes the number one spot. That's right. Tem- temporarily, I don't think that makes us bad bad 
husbands or dads nope. are, and or at least not not awful. Hey, my kids just, are getting into football, so I like. I know. It. I'm, I'm, my daughter's enjoying watching the games with me. She thinks it's funny watching me run around like an idiot when the games are going on. So. Yep. Yep, I took my eight-year-old to his first game this year, and he's been a little bit more dialed in. That's that's fun to see. He still would rather just go play than oh, watch, sure. which I which I totally uh, 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 appreciate for, for his age. Speaking of watching, people watched the game, as in Ohio State versus Michigan. <laughs> yeah, they did. According to Fox, the Michigan-Ohio State averaged 19.1 million viewers. I believe the peak viewers was 22.2. Don't know what those three, roughly three million people. If if you tuned in once, I don't know why you shut that game off. Is what I'm saying. Because I, I can tell you exactly what they were. Those are the inbreds down in the south of the SEC that had to ah. Let's turn over and see what this game looks like. Oh no, I can't watch. You're that. probably I right. Watch these. Games. You're probably right. Exactly but uh, at nineteen point one, nineteen point one million viewers. Hopefully, I I do a better job talking the rest of this podcast. This is the most watched regular season college football game since 2011. Again, if I'm if I'm using rudimentary math, that's 12 years. It was the most watched regular season college football game in Fox Sports history. That bad boy put up some numbers and lived up to the expectations. So that's that's pretty cool. People wonder why these TV contracts are so big. There it is. That's why, right there. And, and they take and, that one shot in the year that they hit a big game like that, and it pays for all of it. For that's that. it. And a, a, a somewhat small little Twitter conversation I've had the, uh, earlier this morning was about viewerships of the other bowl games. Okay, non the non college football playoff games. Certainly, ESPN pushes the college football playoff in your face, whether you like it or or not. I mean, you are you are not about week that. six on. Yeah, yep. it's yeah. yes. <laughs> It, it pretty much is. So nobody's doubting that point. That is 100% the fact. However, sure, the viewership might be down on something like the Rose Bowl that doesn't have a college football ties to it. Certainly, we understand when you get down to a 6-6, six and six, you know, MAC team playing a 7-5 and five SWAC team. We know that these Bulls are even farther down. However, ca- captive audience that sports brings to the table – it's unique. It's only sports can really do it. You know, maybe a yep. big event here and there. Even these lower tier bulls are getting more viewers than like a regular season NBA game. And I don't see people calling to cancel NBA regular season games being televised. I'm not either. I want to be clear there. But folks, this sport brings viewers to the table. Sometimes it's just about gambling, but it, it people watch these games. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, the numbers don't lie. If you go through and look at it, there are games that do pull better than an average NBA game. And I get it because I've watched a few NBA contests. And I'm like, what in the hell am I watching? This is awful <laughs> on the eyes. I cannot stand watching the NBA. So And I like college basketball, but it's mostly got to be my squad or a really big matchup for me to want to watch it. Now, part of that is because I'm a much bigger football fan. All right, that brings us into some stuff that's gone down this week. The 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 TP is open, and if people don't remember, this is a phrase that I feel like Kurt and I half coined. Uh, we shortened the transfer portal to the TP because it's typically something that feels like gets a lot of poop 
on you or is attached to it. That's our kind of play on words there. It's, so it's very accurate. Yeah. Um, the good news is most of the teams in the Big Ten, Iowa, Michigan, makes sense, right? Haven't had much movement in the TP. Guys want to go play in Indianapolis on Saturday night, but I would say Maryland, Nebraska, Northwestern, Ohio State, Penn State, Rutgers, and and really kind of Wisconsin. I've I've not seen much TP movement thus far. It's nice to get through that first wave, that first 48-hour wave of the TP being open without your roster getting stripped down. Well, I know, and I know Ohio State lost a freshman defensive lineman, but, you know, once one in a million, right? And technically, the TP doesn't really truly open until December 4th. So that's when they think the actual big wave of it's coming. These are just guys that are initially saying, yep, I'm going. So I'm putting my name in to get my options in there early. But they can't technically go anywhere until the 4th. But after December 4th, I think every single team will have some kind of activity in the TP. Yeah, I did not mean to denote that those Big Ten teams I listed are out of the woods. Absolutely not. No. No no chance. but some of these names that will go through, they're gone, you know, and they're the reason they are want to they put their names in is because they want to help their chances as much as possible, as early as possible to get out of there. So sort of in alphabetical order, Indiana whew, quarterback, Brendan Sorsby, we, we had been talking on the podcast. He just came on and now he's gone. So that's tough, even tougher wide receiver, Donovan McCauley. I mean, we, we like that guy, that guy is a player. I think those, those two will hear you'll, you'll see that though. Their names tied to some, some big schools. I have a, I have a sneaky feeling. I actually think Soresby could be a guy you see go down to the sunshine state and Florida state potentially sniffing mm. around there. Mm. That's just some little tea leaves reading. Yeah, I've done in the background. Okay. And what's, what'll be great is it's, it's magical Jordan, how a quarterback who's just such a horrible, you know, player talent wise. Oh my gosh. Then suddenly he gets picked up by a team in the South. Magically, he becomes this very potent offensive weapon that teams are are dying to get on their roster. Look no further than Graham Mertz. That's who was going through my head and embattled at Wisconsin and they were done, ran him out of time. Like happy that he left. He goes down to Florida. When's the starting job? Look at him. Nope. He's thriving down there. It's amazing. Exactly. That, maybe it's because that. the defenses are a little bit better up north. I'm just, yeah, maybe. That's a thought. That's a thought. Um, Crazy theory. And I don't know where Brendan Sorsby exactly falls on the quarterback scale. I would say somewhere in the middle. Okay. There, there, there will be hotter names in, in the TP, but Sorsby is good. Okay. So, and we started. He's going to have options. Yeah. I think he's going to have options. And then uh, for my, my guy, Alex at Hoosier Al 111. The entire offensive line of Indiana is in the transfer portal. That's 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 tough. That's a that's tough. Yeah, unfortunately, with Indiana and the coaching change, this is only going to get worse. I mean, this is just one of those situations. Not only are you a let's let's be honest with a smaller Big Ten school who potentially gets rated from above. Now you have a coaching change, so players have even more freedom to get out and more want to to get out and move because they just don't yep. know what the future looks like. So I think we're going to see a whole lot more from the Hoosiers, unfortunately. And that's something that uh, college football fans, certainly Big Ten fans, should take into account when they want their coach fired all the time because 
it's always been tough to restart. Now, with the transfer portal, people talk about how it's easier for new coaches to come in. It's also adds a degree of difficulty because you can have such a roster exodus, which the TP giveth, the TP taketh. That, that there you go. Uh, Michigan State quarterback Katen Hauser. That's that's the biggest name. A few wide receivers took off, but all things considered, so, so far, pretty good coaching hire. Well, I I, I don't think it's this that bad. That well, I mean, they did. The other two quarterbacks left too. Noah Kim and Sam Levitt are both also in the TPs. So all three quarterbacks that played are are TPing at this point. I, I think I would like to see one of the guys <laughs> stick around so that you have some. Give me one. With, yeah, some kind of continuity, one. right? But we saw with Wisconsin. Now I'm not saying it worked out, but they brought all new quarterbacks in. I I work with me here. It might actually be the best position to have a completely control alt delete restart because you're going to have a whole new offense anyways. You don't want all new people around the quarterback, but you these coaches have a very specific plan on what they want to do and what their quarterback is going to look like. So I would say this this I somewhat understand. I don't think all hope is lost for Michigan State. You were going to get a new quarterback anyways. So this just, you know, puts an exclamation mark on it. Yeah, not all quarterbacks are built the same and not all coaches look for the same type of quarterback. It just depends on what Jonathan Smith is going to be looking for. There's rumor he's got a pretty high-rated recruit committed to Oregon State. Rumors that he's going to try to bring him with him. So maybe that's part of this. These guys are hearing that writing on the wall, but we're a long ways away. He's got a Jonathan Smith knows what he wants in a Correct. quarterback. And to steal your line here, me thinks if he's letting all three of these guys just walk out the door, they're not exactly what he's looking for. I have to think one of those three would be interested in sticking around. But if they were all told respectfully, go find another roster, wouldn't be that surprising to me. Right. Stayed yep. on the theme, Minnesota. Now, this one surprised me a little bit. Quarterback Ethan Kalik Manis and their third stringer, a freshman uh, uh, in the TP, or will be in the TP, I guess is the correct wor- way to word that. It wouldn't have surprised me to see a quarterback come in and challenge Ethan this spring. Ethan leaving Minnesota isn't the most surprising thing. I was surprised that he was one of the first ones in now. That is. There must have been a harsh conversation between Ethan Kalikmanis as head coach and his offensive coordinator right after that Wisconsin game. Yeah, it just makes you think that, that relationship with him and PJ has soured to the point where it's not repairable. I mean, Ethan Kalik, he's got he's talented. He's a he, he's shown the flashes of being a good quarterback. I think he's a guy that this transfer portal could be made for. He, he needs to go to a place where there's a quarterback whisperer, somebody that can just take a quarterback and this big old ball of clay and mold him into what mm. he can be because there's there's a lot of tools in this kid. It just doesn't seem like he could ever get it put together at Minnesota. I, I don't disagree with that. What one comment that I'd like to say is it's funny that the same fan bases that were calling Ethan Kalik Manis crap and overrated are now the same fan bases saying this is a huge loss for Minnesota. <laughs> it's funny how those two things I guess coexist. Inside amazing how that works, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I will say, I I'm not quite sure where he's at in the pantheon of 
free agent quarterbacks, which is essentially what those, these guys are, close to Soresby. Okay, close to Soresby in actually status and style, I, I, I would say. Agree that if he's in the right offense with the right guy in his ear, I think you could see a better Ethan Kalik Manis. What level that's at and who it is, that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, that's that's the mystery. And yeah. you have to hope, I mean, that he finds that right spot. Yep. Purdue, a couple guys here and there, a couple guys that were rumored that apparently got brought back in because they got to look at an NIL deal. By the way, the NI we know NIL factors into this stuff. It but fans acting like they know that it's well, it's definitely a bad NIL deal while he's leaving. It's not always the case. Okay. It's it's and, and I would say most of the times fans don't really know, but that's just what they they want. You mean the fanatic part of the fan is actually yes. coming out with these type of things? Yeah, there's a shocker. But rumored some guys that brought back in with with NIL deals, but the one guy that is in the TP that got away is wide receiver Deion Burks. Another guy that you and I talked about all year long that we thought popped on the TV screen. Yeah, he's going to make somebody really happy. And it sucks for Boilermaker fans because the dude is talented. He's yep. a good player. He's an explosive. Can use him in all different kinds of ways. Somebody's going to get a real gem out of this one. Yes. Um, our guy, Big Time Boiler. I do believe that he's not necessarily a number one receiver. But if he could wind up going to an offense where he's primarily the slot guy or number two guy, watch out because he he's good. <laughs> the guy's got potentially talent. a situation where he goes to a former coach. Down give, in it, give, it, give it to okay, Jeff Brom. Should have should have thought about that. Oh boy, he's gonna fit in well when he transfers to Louisville because that's probably how that's gonna go down. Just saying, he recruited him, right? Yeah, that was just sitting right there in front of me. That's that's. That that's my odds on favorite for where Deion Burks goes, but we'll see. He could, you know, what could wind up happening is more teams could look into him than what even maybe he thinks right now. He 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 could make some money and and we'll Louisville is very spot. strong in the NIL game. It's are they really? Dumb. Oh, okay. they're very, they have some. I don't remember what it is, but they have some very big backing in their NIL. But are they stronger than Georgia? No, no, no. Okay, I'm just saying. Yeah. I think no, it's not. Crazy. I think that's what a place you could go. Insinuating is not crazy okay. at all. Okay, that'll be interesting to see. Last one, uh, not so much TP, but uh, running back Braylon Allen. All the signs were there. Comments he had been making the last couple of weeks, which, by the way, led me to. I wasn't even sure if he was going to give it a go in that Minnesota game, but he did. He looked great. So that will wind up being his swan song. Uh, wearing the Motion W on his helmet. He will not play in the uh, bowl game. He is on to the NFL draft. I think of every single one of the things we just talked about, this is the least shocking. Least shocking. Like, oh, I no. would have been more surprised if he would have come back than the fact that he's Oh, there was no chance he would come back. I thought maybe there was a you know 10% chance he would play in the bowl, but I just don't think it's a big enough bowl for, to, you know, for him, for a guy like that. Which, by the way, I mean, we'll talk more about it when we actually get into the bowl matchups. I don't like seeing guys sit out bulls, but you, number one, it's your body and your yep. life. Do what you want to do. I want to be right. clear there. Ones like this make a, a little bit more sense. You know, Braylon Allen will probably be a mid-round draft. This, this is a low-tier bowl. The math doesn't work out for him to, to play in the bowl, so I totally get it. Yep, I agree. All right, moving on to the Big Ten Awards of the year. Uh, the offensive ones are somewhat hot off the press as we uh, record this in the evening. But first one up was... Probably the award that people debated that you saw the most up on Twitter. 
Northwestern's David Braun wins the Dave McLean Big Ten Coach of the Year. Let me first to say, totally get it. Extremely worthy of getting this award. Amazing job by David Braun. Yeah, I've been on the table for, I mean, I know we had a, a little bit of a debate about it a few pods ago, but I, I think this is the right choice. Now, I will say there's there's one other name, in my opinion, that you put in the argument. There is no other name besides that one. It's KF. Given all the situations with, with what happened at Iowa, I understand that argument. If anybody else is arguing for anybody besides those two, I won't hear it. I There, there was a time with Shiano. There was a time with Ryan Day, but the end the the end of the year for Shiano and with Day, the expectations are high. You you pretty much got to go twelve and zero. It really just came down to those two. No wrong choice here, David Braun or KF. David Braun gets it. The curious thing I would like to know is when did Northwestern kind of get an idea that this that he was going to win this award? It did that. Did, does the Big Ten send a note down and says, you know, just so you know. This is like who we're going to get, because if what I'm saying is if they didn't retain him as the coach, you, you can't give the Big Ten coach of the year to the guy that's no longer coaching. Right. So I don't know. I just would love to. Know yeah, him. that would that would have been a very you have to think there's some back channel. I mean, the oh, Big Ten yeah. has a call every week. You got to think there's some kind of like or, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Like, hey, you know, or is it going or is it a. Are you going to make him your coach? Because we're kind of thinking about making him our coach of the year. Because if you don't retain him, then we'll give it to the other guy. I don't know. It's just something I can't. I can't stop thinking about. All right, that gets us into the uh, defensive and special teams players of the year. There's a little bit of a theme here, I think, when we go from defense to offense. I wonder if you'll pick up on that. The big winner of the day yesterday, Illinois, Johnny Newton, Jerzan Newton wins the. Nagurski Woodson defensive player of the year and the Smith Brown defensive lineman of the year. We somewhat compared him to Nebraska great and Dominican Sue. I want to be clear. I don't think he's to the Dominican Sue levels. Okay. I just want to be honest with you, but even the mere comparison is a good sign that you wind up being defensive player of the year. When you're put in the same sentence with a defensive lineman who was in New York for the Heisman ceremony, I think you're in pretty good company. Yes, I, 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 I think seen, I think this is I think this is the right choice too. I, I guess there was some debate on player of the year, defensive lineman of the year. I don't think there was. I will say this: it's sort of a watered down year for a lot of these awards meaning there were amazing defenses in the big 10 but the statistics per team were spread all around we didn't have like let's they say were, they were good defensive units versus elite players there we in go. those units there we go that's that is 100 what i would what i would put out there uh let's see what else we got we got i was cooper DeGene, a double award winner the tatum woodson defensive back of the year Listen, real quick, Puffy Chesty, 13 times we've awarded the Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year. Seven of them have been Hawkeyes. None of them four stars or higher. Bro, Phil Parker, wizard. 
a couple of them are hurtful for me because they came right out of the state of Michigan that Michigan didn't recruit. And then they went to Iowa to become NFL draft picks. So yeah, it's incredible. Well, but again, this goes back to what we've always talked about with coaches knowing what they want with players and Iowa knows what they're looking for with their players and they go get them. It don't, doesn't always have to be that sexy five-star if you can develop the player to what you want them to be and no better example. Yep. And I know I'm biased because we have a little competition here, but um, it's time Phil Parker wins the Broyles award. Nothing against your guy. Okay. Did an amazing job. It's, it's time. Phil Parker should win this award again. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting, uh, that, that award will be interesting to see what happens with it. Yes. Cause there's, there's different reasons why each one can win that award. Okay. Well, anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll drop that for now. <laughs> we could, Gene, yeah, I have I, a feeling we can get into that one for a while. Iowa's Cooper DeGene wins the Rogers Dwight. Tim Dwight played with him at Iowa. Return specialist of the year. Shout out to special teams coach LeVar Woods. That's the third return specialist to win big player of the year. I think it's three out of the last five. That's another incredible little run for the Hawkeyes right there. So, so I got I to ask the question, is this the Big Ten's like little olive branch? Like, okay, obviously deserves the award. Not, not a question, but... Like, hey, we understand the one punt return kind of got taken away from ah, you, but ah, you still you still get yeah. the award for being it. You know, that's interesting. I guess I honestly didn't think about that, but I'm fine with it if that factored into it. As long as the dude walks home with the brass, I was Tory Taylor, duh, the Edelman Field punter of the year. I'm, that's was this right. unanimous? Because if this wasn't unanimous, I, know. I think we have a problem. Yeah, that's. If it's not unanimous, it's somebody salty with that. So no huge surprise there. Shout out to the legend, Tory Taylor. How about this? Minnesota's Dragon Kessich, the Bakken Anderson kicker of the year. And I say, look at this, because Minnesota was known for some pretty bad kicking. Okay, place kicking. Amazing year. Started the year off with the bomb game winner versus Nebraska. But that dude had a leg all year long. Basically won the Minnesota game, you know, that we just talked about. So Amazing. Good. Great job by you him. Were, I mean, and you were on him early on in the year. I remember one of our earlier breakdowns, you said in the kicking game and you brought him up. So, yeah. Good weapon. Last one. Okay. Oh, Ohio State's Tommy Eichenberg, <laughs> the Buckus Fitzgerald linebacker of the year. I guess I'm not hiding my fandom on this particular portion of the podcast. Jay Higgins' dad is being very respectful. I don't believe I have to be. This is some BS. I love Tommy Eichenberg. He's a great linebacker. I just don't know how you can go down the the stats and look at Jay Higgins stats and Tommy Eichenberg's. And, and by the way, I'd like to point out, Ohio State fans tear Tommy Eichenberg a new a-hole half the time on Twitter as well. I was surprised to see that this was the Big Ten's pick for linebacker of the year. I mean, it's not going to come as a surprise because I'm a Michigan fan. They're going to say, oh, he just hates Ohio State. Tommy Eichenberg is a great player. But at some point... Just because you play for a big brand, a Michigan or an Ohio State, doesn't automatically mean that you've got to have a player on these award lists. And part of me thinks you look at this defensive award and special teams awards, and there was no quote unquote blue blood names on here. And they thought they had to get one on here, and this was the best chance for it. It's not always the case. These awards need to go to the players that deserve them and have earned them. And I don't I don't think it's just Jay Higgins. I think there's some other guys out there that I would have put ahead of Eichenberg also. But I, I don't disagree that Jay Higgins definitely deserving of the award. But I just I think there was a little bit of bias put into this. And it's good on you that you say that, Jordan. I appreciate it. There's been some DM messages with Iowa fans and then a couple of Nebraska fans that felt cheated 
with some of their defensive players that didn't make it. Everybody's going to look at these things through the eyes of, of, you know, through the lens of their fandom, which we support. I think it's something we've highlighted a lot, like fandom gets you. So what, what I'm trying to get at is that we know as non-Michigan Ohio State fans, okay, so list all the other fan bases, they the Big Ten kind of concedes things to Ohio State and Michigan often. So it's nice to hear somebody of one of those fan bases acknowledge it. Maybe it's one of those deals where they're like, we can't let Iowa win returner, defensive back, punter, and linebacker of the year. But, I wonder but, if that but, fact... But, no, but see, that, that can't be the case because this Iowa team is in Indianapolis with an offense that is widely known to be one of the worst ever, and they yep. won 10 games for one reason, and that's the defense and the special teams. So that, that, to me, would be a complete BS argument. I would hate... If that's the argument, I hate that. I appreciate again. I appreciate you saying that, I, but I also don't think I'm crazy for bringing it up. Is that? No, is that I mean you're okay. probably not. But okay. and then hot off the presses earlier this afternoon, the Big Ten Offensive Players of the Year. Not not a ton of surprises here. I don't believe Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr. wins the Graham George Offensive Player of the Year and the Richter Howard Wide Receiver of the Year. Maybe some debate on who is the. Offensive player of the year, we knew he was going to win the wide receiver of the year of the year, but I, I really don't think anybody can throw up too much of an issue with this choice, either one of these choices. No, I don't think so. He's the most talented offensive player, so that in itself, I think you could give him these awards. No no complaint here. And very deserving, amazing year. We, I don't think he's going to get invited out to New York City, but uh, he'll be invited very high in the NFL draft. Yeah. Next up, Michigan's JJ McCarthy wins the Greasy Breeze. That's got that's the one award that's got it's got kind of a nice ring to it. The Greasy Breeze. It flows. It flows. Yep. Quarterback of the year. Two things. One hundred percent JJ deserves to be the quarterback that's picked. If you put his stats up against quarterbacks over the last five to ten years, he wouldn't even be in the running. But it was just kind of that year for Big Ten defenses and Big Ten quarterbacks. Well, I think the one thing about, about JJ is it's it's more this the way the it's not the stats of what he does it's how he controls what this yes. team is and I you you make an argument that if you take him off this team you don't know what this Michigan team is so oh no no argument there I mean the lack of interceptions alone you, two stats wins and lack of interceptions that's enough right there and then obviously right. he tacks on key plays that are made throughout the year i mean we'll talk about that when we break down the game so but i just want to be clear there's no argument that he's the quarterback of the year uh another michigan guy running back blake Corum wins the amici dane running back of the year could have been again it's i would say the same thing even for Corum, th- this wasn't one of his best years he's he's had years where i thought he'd look better maybe cal manungai but after that they're just who else were you going to give it to for this for this award? Yeah, I don't. I mean, personally, I give it. I would give it to Manunga. I, I think this is more a lifetime achievement award for Blake. I mean, being what he's done over his career versus this year. This is another one where I think the blue blood thing bias kind of came into mm-hmm. it. Personally, I just i I love Blake Corm. He's one of my favorite Michigan players ever. But I just you know the the numbers oh. are what the numbers are. I think I go with Manunga. If I was if I had That's- a pick, that's what I would have done. That's big on you. I would have been happy with either one. It's the touchdowns to me. That's what sure. it, that separates Blake Corum. I, I think that's a huge part that's of this. That's fair. All right. Next one up is Ohio State's. This is a little bit, a little, little bit of controversy here. Ohio State's 
Cade Stover wins the Kowalczyk Clark. Also played another another guy. I just like to point out. I played with Dallas Clark at Iowa. Tight end of the year. We've been a couple different guys. Uh, Colton Loveland would have been up there, but I get it. I I I just want to be clear. This isn't this isn't fire and brimstone. Just there was a debate with this one. I think I think the Big Ten has two of the top three tight ends in the country in Cade Stover and Colson Loveland. The bias in me on this one, I think, is going to come out, I think, with what, especially in the Ohio State game alone, what Colston Loveland and, I guess, the the bigger games, the, the Penn State, the Maryland, the Ohio State game, what Colston Loveland brought to this Michigan offense, I think he yeah. deserves the award. Cade Stover is excellent. He's a great player. It's not to say that he doesn't deserve the award. I just, yeah. I just think Colston Loveland on the high end. Granted, only a sophomore, so we'll see you next year. So. And folks, Jordan just said he believes Blue Bloods and Michigans and Ohio States get the advantage. Even said didn't think Corum. So it's not like you're not being impartial here. Trying, trying to be, to be I, fair. I, I if I had a choice, I would take Cade Stover. I would. He he would be a little bit of an achievement award here, a little bit. But I also think he deserves it. I to to stand out as a tight end in that offense is not the easiest thing to do. And I just felt like he had big catches on the year where. Team needed him to convert, and and Kate Stover was there. Another no brainer. Once I saw that, you kind of go by that. This is the one thing you go on the PFF scores, I because it's it's tough to figure out. But Penn State's Olu Fashano, Remington Pace, offensive lineman of the year. Almost everything I see for grades or draft pick status, Olu Fashano is is number one. So no surprise to see him win offensive lineman of the year. Nope, I don't have a lot to say there. Right yep. guy, right choice, right pick, and then. Purdue's Dylan Tiedemann, the Thompson Randall L freshman of the year, which they kind of give to anybody on each side of the ball. So good yeah, for freshman him. of the year is that's that's a tough one to pick. I think yeah. you just kind of try to find an outlier in that situation. All right. That uh moves us into the next part of the podcast. So we're gonna do have a little fun here as much as we can. We're gonna do some uh college football thoughts and scenarios. Kind of cool, right? Having a a guy on the podcast, a fan of one of the teams that's an almost mortal lock to make the college football playoff. So I'm going to pick your brain a little bit of this stuff, have some fun, whether you like it or not, you're speaking for the entire Michigan fan base right now. So just step up and, and take the role on. I'm, 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 I'm okay with that, whether or not they are or not. Yeah, I'm forcing it on. I so it. If anybody gives you shit, blame it on me. Cause it's more my fault. Cause I'm putting you in, in, in the position. I can so, handle it. I'm going to be honest with you folks, okay? 97% chance that Michigan makes the playoffs. Certainly the spread in the Big Ten Championship, which we will break down momentarily, plays into this. So Iowa fans, I love you. Michigan fans, I really don't want to appease you, and I will talk about that later. But we are going to go under the assumption that Michigan is going to win on Saturday night when, when we do the rest of these conversations, okay? Is that fair? Yes, that's pretty fair. So the college yep. football playoff rankings came out last night. I wondered if there would be a chance with Georgia's performance versus Georgia Tech and Michigan beating Ohio State, would there be a bump to move Michigan in front of Georgia? There was not. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. All right. Not a big surprise, but it, something that could have been debated. Then it was, okay, who's three and four? We've got undefeated Washington, number three. Undefeated. Florida State, number four. 
we'll talk more about in Florida State in a little bit. Now, here was the next thing. Who would be the first one-loss team? Because those first four are all undefeated. Oregon at number five, which puts Ohio State number six. And then rounding out the top eight, which I believe are the only teams that have a chance to get into the college football playoff, are number seven, Texas, also at 11-1, and one, and number eight, Alabama, at 11-1. and one. So, for the most part, I'm going to make a statement here. You tell me what you think. Georgia wins they're they're in michigan wins they're in then the pac-12 winner on friday night is in that's what i now believe certainly if it's washington there would only be a small debate if oregon was the winner but to me having oregon five and ohio state six and seven is the committee's way to me of saying those two teams will not have a good enough win to bump them into the college football playoffs. So to me, the Big Ten championship winner, if Georgia wins and the and the Pac-12 championship, those three are essentially locked for 75% of the college football playoff. Is that is that fair? Yeah, the only way that I think there's a chance that the Pac-12 doesn't is if Oregon wins in kind of a eh fashion and then like Georgia, Florida State, Michigan, and Texas all win in like yeah. routes. That's the only real possible situation I see where Oregon or the Pac-12 gets left out. But even that I don't think is likely. I think it's likely what you said. You got Georgia if they win, Michigan if they win, Pac-12 winner should all be comfortably in. And I think they all have like a better than 80% chance based on these scenarios to be in. So I think that's the likely scenario. So then that leaves four spots. And who that's going to be. This goes right into my next question or first question, I guess it would be that I want to ask you, which is we typically see a drop off between two to three. I think you could maybe even make an argument. There's more of a drop off from team three to four. Michigan not being number one is a big deal because right now, as it stands, as, as we have the standings right now, okay, so all these teams went out, you have to think this is who is, is the, the number is going to be. That would mean Georgia would be the number one seed. Florida State would be the number four seed, and they don't have a quarterback. Or they've got a brand-new guy. It's not the absolute stud, Jordan Travis, right? I think I, I get some of the names. Jordan Travis, Jaden Daniels, they, they start – you know, blend together in my head. But Florida State, long story short, had an amazing quarterback that unfortunately was lost for the year. What an advantage that will be for Georgia round one. Is that something you Michigan fans are thinking about on how that could potentially play out? Absolutely it is. 100% it is. Um, I think every single fan of every single team is looking at this and saying, okay, if Florida State wins and gets in, that's who we want because of the Jordan Travis situation. Now, ESPN has this fancy little tool where it's the playoff predictor and you can put in the results of all these games that we're talking about and it gives you where they would where the, the predictor ranks that they would be at and kind of what the matchups would be. And it's very interesting to me because – You said the number one seed is huge where the scenario that I'm seeing that I think actually might happen, the two seed is actually more important because they would keep, the in this scenario, it keeps Florida State as the three because they're undefeated and a conference champion. 
And then Oregon is the four because Oregon is actually favored to beat Washington. Yes. You know what? I shame on me, but that's a great job. So there is a chance Michigan makes out better as the two seed. If and they that's wind what up. I'm thinking. Wow. So I, I had gone under the thought process of the best scenario for Michigan. And this probably still is Georgia gets beat. Michigan gets the number one seed and you wind up playing a four seed Florida state or good Bama, on you though. Potentially. Yeah. I have that down for another scenario. Good on you though, Jordan. That's a really good point. So and everything can now this, hold like this, Pat. This, everything yeah, this, can hold Pat, but Florida State moves in up one spot in the place of Oregon because, and it would make sense. That's three 13 to no teams: Georgia, Michigan, Florida State conference champ. Yeah, with either Oregon or t- Texas, I guess. Right. For, and well, gets- for the now, so for this little predictor thing, I ran through a bunch of scenarios while. But before we got started on here, I was just kind of randomly picking, okay, what if this happens? And what if this happens? This is the highest percent chance that of, of happening, this scenario. So wow. that's that's Georgia, Florida State, Michigan, Texas, and Oregon winning. That is the, the highest percent chance. So all the favorites by the by the spreads winning is the has a 24% chance of happening. And if that happens, these percentages say it would be Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Oregon, with Texas as the five on the outside. And then the conspiracy theorist to me is that ESPN still lords over this thing. They want their SEC winner, probably Georgia, into the college football playoff championship. Will they move Oregon up to three, drop Florida State down to four, so that Georgia gets Florida State that officially is my prediction if this winds up being the top four teams. You're not crazy because I've thought it too. They'll say, well, you know, the starting quarterback and all this and that, and Oregon avenged their one loss, and it was blah, 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 blah. I think a lot of these games this weekend for the non-Georgia Michigans, because I think if those two just win and it doesn't matter, they're one, two. But the Florida States, the Oregons, the Texases, the Washingtons, style points matter. Yeah, this weekend, how you win these games matters this weekend. Speaking of the games, Georgia is a six point favorite over Alabama, Uh, Oregon, a nine and a half point favorite over undefeated Washington, who beat them in the regular season. I'm not saying I don't disagree with Oregon being favored nine and a half points. That's a something burger. Got to think that's going to make it onto the Huskies locker room this week to, to try to give them some motivation. Oh, yeah, absolutely it is. That's crazy. Another one is uh, Texas, 14-and-a-half-point favorite over Oklahoma State. Our smallest line is Louisville, only a two-and-a-half-point dog to Florida State to give you a nod of how the committee looks at you know the top five, six, seven teams. Th- those are the spreads right there. So, It's crazy. People talk about who should be ranked higher. And then sometimes, you know, this could be middle of the year, right? Where one team is ranked 10th and one team's ranked 15th. When you know the team that's 15th would be favored by Vegas on a neutral field. That's where you see some of this stuff come about. But we still got to play the football contest, folks. I just like to point that out. These games aren't played on paper for a reason. Another Big Ten team that we've been discussing a little bit here. They ain't dead just yet. This is maybe my most 
interested to see what the Jordan reaction is going to be as he represents the entire Michigan fan base. Ohio State, likely to get in? Absolutely not. What I'm going to throw out here for them to get in is is highly unlikely. It's not impossible, and I'm just sort of surprised how many college football talking heads, even Ohio State fans, are essentially writing this off as a as a non possibility. My guess is Ohio State fans are doing it because they they don't want to enter into this you know degree to uh, uh, to to bring up disappointment if it doesn't happen. But this is the scenario: uh, Georgia wins. Pretty easy to see. Michigan wins. Pretty easy to see. Washington wins. Again, not crazy. I would also even say if Oregon wins. I don't think that will make much of a difference. Those are your top three teams. So what do we need for for craziness for that fourth spot? We need Louisville to beat Florida State. That ain't that big of an upset to me, Jordan, at all. So I'll I'll pause right there. We got Brom like Tom. Drawn up plays with nothing to lose coming into the ACC championship. Is that really that surprising? I know they got beat by Kentucky. Okay, that wasn't a good showing. Don't get me wrong, but Brom could pull this off. Oh, yeah. He's going to scheme up plays and get points. I mean, and then the, the question just comes down to can Florida State's offense with a backup quarterback score enough with him? I think I think Louisville's going to score in this game. I'm going to predict that Louisville's going to win this game. Just gonna go ahead and throw that out on this podcast right here. Money line, take the take Woolville the points. I don't care. Just what I think. All right. So now let's say that happens. Let's say I'm correct. What is the other thing that happens that needs to happen for Buckeye fans? Oklahoma State needs to upset Texas. Now, do I think that's gonna happen? I do not. But a theme I'm gonna have a little bit later is this is college football. Have you people that follow this sport? ever paid attention to the fact that crazy things happen all the time. Auburn just about beat Alabama. That was a 16 point favorite at the time of kickoff. I don't know how Auburn didn't win that game. Alabama was, Alabama was dialed into that game. It's a rivalry game and they're still fighting to get into the playoffs. This wasn't a distracted Alabama team. They played sisters of the poor the week before, by the way, Auburn almost, they got beat by the Sisters of the Poor the week before. Shout out to Jerry Kill. New Mexico State's playing some good ball this year. Point I'm trying to make is, if Auburn can almost beat Alabama, Oklahoma State can actually beat Texas. I'm just a little surprised how people just are not even bringing this up as a possibility. Yeah, I mean, so you ask how I feel about this, right? If Because if this happens, we're thinking Ohio State, squeaks into that four spot right yes my my response is vomit that's yeah. that's disgusting yeah. i i don't want to see that now I put this into our little yeah. predictor thing this yeah. exact scenario actually yeah. both scenarios with yeah. oregon and with washington it does have ohio state as the fourth team with both of these scenarios i will say that both of them come back as a one percent chance of this happening i reject those odds it is higher than 1%. Jordan, it's higher than 1% because the top three are probably pretty much locked in. I believe Louisville and Florida State is darn near a toss-up. It's a two-and-a-half-point spread, right? That comes down to an upset. It comes down to an Oklahoma State over Texas upset. By the way, that's a 11 o'clock a.m. game on ABC. 
if that game goes final with Oklahoma State pulled off the uh, upset, this is going to the, the rest of the day in the college football world is going to be a blaze of what the scenarios are. Because then the uh, uh, ACC championship is going to be at the exact same time as the Big Ten championship. For Ohio State fans, it could wind up being the most ultimate toggle back and forth between two games, like remote and thumb on fire for the possibilities for how this could wind up. And let me tell you, I think the college football playoff committee wants this situation to happen because then you have Georgia versus Ohio State and you have Michigan versus Oregon. You're trying to tell me that isn't going to play into this? Like, I'm not money. I've Jordan's given the cash money signal i'm just saying folks i'm just surprised in having ohio state six in front of texas and alabama which is good to see right i mean the sec teams always have the highest undefeated team and one loss team it is nice to see alabama behind oregon ohio state and texas for one loss team i mean they should be behind texas texas beat them head to head obviously so that's that is fun stuff to talk about i don't think it's 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 even crazy Here's another crazy one, though. Last couple, last scenario. What happens if Georgia gets beat? And what happens if Texas wins convincing, convincingly, and Michigan wins convincingly, and Washington wins convincingly? We now have thirteen and zero Michigan, right? A thirteen and zero. I don't think I'm listed Florida State. A thirteen and zero Florida State. Okay. A thirteen and zero Washington, and that last spot comes down to Alabama who has a loss, Georgia, who just got a loss from Alabama, and Texas, who has a loss, all are sitting there at 12-1. and one, But didn't Texas beat Alabama head-to-head? And In Tuscaloosa. And didn't Alabama just beat that Georgia team that's also 12-1? and one? Jordan, could we have an SEC-less college football playoff? This is the scenario that my nipple, my nipple's just I would want to see yeah. as a fan because I want to see what this this playoff committee will do. I put the the scenario into our predictor here. Michigan, Washington, Florida State obviously locks in. That four seed does come down to Texas and Alabama. The predictor favors Texas, 55%, 41% chance to get in. And it has to be that head-to-head because you can't put Georgia in because Bama beat them and they're a conference champ. So if you can't do it that way, then you can't put Bama in because Texas beat them. Texas is a conference champ. But will the bias of a committee that is all people and knows where the almighty dollar is and we know where the NCAA doesn't who doesn't have control of the playoff, we know where they want to lean to the almighty SEC, what do they do? In this situation, because all the logic, all the resume, and all the reason says the SEC should be out. But it's Alabama and it's Nick Saban, and I I damn sure think they would put them in over Texas if this too. happened. I think they would. Almost impossible for me to believe that the SEC would be left out. It's just... It but they should. Be, it but would have to they be. should a, in this situation. It would have to be a one-loss conference winner and a two-loss, you know, SEC winner. That's not what we're going to have. We could have had it if freaking Auburn would have come through. Yeah. That, well, it's it's so rare that I ever cheer for an SEC team in any capacity, and I swear, whenever it happens, they don't come through for me. So that that ticked me off. So I, I'm with you there. Like I would 100 have to see this 
to believe that it would happen. But we're down to the last week of the year. So throwing out these scenarios when you have four weeks left in the season, I've always considered it kind of silly. This year, it, it just isn't. This is a unique year where we have the chance at so many undefeated teams or just a one-loss team to pick from at the end. It, it's been a unique deal. It's been pretty fun, but these top teams have just not faltered, right? The losses that these teams have, Oregon is to Washington. Ohio State is to Michigan. Um, Alabama is to Texas. Like That's what's crazy is there's there's not even an ugly loss to pick from from these teams. So it makes all of these, these scenarios extremely plausible. It's a reason to check in on, on Friday night and championship Saturday, how this stuff works. It's, you got to admit, this is, this is pretty good TV that we're laying out here for, for our, our audience and all college football fans. And as a committee, they have to be thinking to themselves, see, this is exactly why we need a 12 team playoff. Cause look yeah. at all eight of these teams that just deserve to be in the playoff. Oh man, it'd be nice. If we could get them all in there. Don't they know if I, don't know if I agree with that, but if if a scenario happens where the SEC is left out of the college football playoffs when we have the rankings on Sunday, I'm going to celebrate. Maybe I'll celebrate with a glass of Amador. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip need are in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. And that brings us to the... Dick 10 Game of the Week. Shout out to my five-year-old for providing a little bit of comedic value on the podcast the whole year. Our only game is this Saturday, December 2nd. It's the Big Ten Championship. The 12-0, number two ranked Michigan Wolverines, technically the road team, versus the 10-2, number 16th ranked Iowa Hawkeyes, the home team in this setting. This is a 7 o'clock p.m. game on Fox Line Michigan by 23 and a hook over under 35.5. So Vegas is saying 30 to six Wolverines. Yeah. All-time series. Michigan leads 44, 15 and four, including the last three, the most recent being in Iowa city, 27, 14. But we all remember two years ago, these two teams met in Indianapolis for the Wolverines, 142 to three. So Jordan, again, I, I, no, you're representing all of Michigan fans. I guess in this scenario, I'm now representing all of Iowa fans. Um, are are we allowed? Can we talk about the game, Jordan? Or, or can can our players and coaches actually take the trip to Indianapolis to be a part of the festivities? Is that is that okay? I'm just asking you. Is that is that okay? I I, I know exactly where you're getting at here. Yeah, I think I think it's allowed. I think that's fine. Okay, okay. So so it's we have done the things that the big 10 conference sets up with divisions and how you win games and how it's totaled and tallied that stuff went down exactly how we all agreed upon it in August. I would did that. So now we do get the representation in the game. That's, that's what you're saying by, by the letter of the law and the rules as they're written. That is, yeah. that is the way it goes. What I'm, what I'm facetiously getting at is the, the, I don't know what the other word to say, but just the arrogance of Michigan fans of of that we're even being allowed to share the TV screen with Michigan on Saturday night. It's it's I'm trying to weed out 
the the those Michigan fans, you know, obviously you're not one of them. I love our guy Swanky. He just knows how to have fun with it. There's been a couple other Michigan fans that have just broke down the game respectfully. And I'm like, I get it. I would feel the same way. It's it's the other, I don't know, 80% of Michigan fans. And, and here's the what vocal I would, majority. <laughs> and here is what I would ask you. This is the part. This is what blows my mind the most with, and this would either be Michigan or Ohio State fans. I, I want to be clear. Why would you want another hurdle if you're Michigan right now? What what I what makes no sense to me is that I hear Michigan fans saying they would rather play Ohio State again. That they yes, I see it all the time, Jordan. And I've asked people like, you don't really mean that. No, they say they do or. They wish it was next year so that they were playing Oregon or Washington now so that it was a better game. Jordan, I don't understand it, man. Like, you are one win away from being the one or two seed in the college football playoff. This is about the perfect scenario, which is a team that's still ranked 16th, but doesn't exactly pose the biggest threat to for you to get to your ultimate goal. Explain it to me. Speak for Michigan fans. Tell me what your thoughts are. Well, so I have been very vocal about this whole thing with the whole Twitter spaces. I am dabbling those a little bit that I don't acknowledge an extremely large portion of my fan base <laughs> because I, I don't see eye to eye with a very large portion of my fan base. I don't share those sentiments at all. I, I, I like this matchup. I think this is the way it was intended to to be by the Big Ten Conference. Now, having said that, if this was the 12-team playoff era where I didn't think the playoff was in any jeopardy, where if we lose this game, we were out, maybe I have a different feeling then. We're sure, sure okay, it's another matchup. But that's not the case. This is a situation where no matter if this was Iowa or if this was Washington, if we lost this game, we were out of the playoff. Yeah. I don't know. I want, I want to be in the playoff. I want to have a shot to get to that national title. So I'm not poo-pooing Iowa because I do know that Iowa has – is that their defense is amazing and this yep. is a good team and they deserve to be here. But I would much rather play Iowa than Washington or Ohio State again for that matter. And, and we are sort of besmirching Iowa with this breakdown, but I'm also just trying to give a breakdown where I'm using my brain and, and trying to view this as I would view it if I was a Michigan fan. I just I can't come to well, any other. I mean, any... let me let me ask other Iowa fans not named Jeffrey the Greek. Would you rather play Iowa or would you rather play Michigan if you were an Iowa fan? Because would you rather play a mirror image of yourself in this game, <laughs> or would you rather play Michigan? Well, like, be I mean, honest know, with yourself in this situation. Right. I mean, I know what you're getting at. I would want to play the team that gives me the best chance to walk away with That's the, yes. the hardware. So, yeah, That's I, what I, I'm I saying. understand. And, I, and then overall, what I would say is, I don't I don't really believe in this stuff, but then as soon as that, that comes out of my mouth, I do kind of believe in this stuff, which is Tempting the college football gods. And, and just every time a Michigan fan throws another comment out about this, this is going to be a laugher. And every single commentator on college football that says, don't even tune into this game. Iowa doesn't have a chance. Don't the football gods just take a little grain of sand and just pop it into, I, I don't know. I, I you know, just, the, the, you know, I, all of what you're saying. Yes. It's probably true. I'm superstitious. I believe in the football gods, okay. but the part of it to me that makes me feel the worst is when, uh, Kirk Ferentz's press conference, and they're talking to him about, about the game, and he goes, yeah, you know, all this, that, and he says, but, man, wouldn't it be fun? Yep. 
Just that right. little, wouldn't it be fun? Just to, no, no, like hell, it would, no, it would not be fun. And you stop putting whatever dark magic you're trying to sprinkle on this game because that comment to me, that scared me more than anything because that tells me that he's free. He doesn't, he's like, whatever, this house money, we can't win. Okay. That'd be and fun to watch. And then it's a role that I, Iowa loves to be in. Obviously, you know, Kirk Ferentz has been in it a lot. Speaking of Kirk Ferentz, just because you brought up the press conference. He got asked, you know, pretty uh, uh, candidly, why is it that, you know, people hate Iowa? And he and he goes, I don't know, you know, I maybe they hate me. I don't know. I, I think I'm somewhat of a likable guy. And then when he talked about Iowa, he said, we got cool colors. It's easy to spell. I don't get it. <laughs> I just thought that was... he doesn't always he doesn't always show a ton of humor i just thought that was pretty funny okay so this is kind of the you know the the bringing into the game because let's be honest when we get into the matchups we've done the big game matchup for uh michigan penn state penn state ohio state obviously ohio state michigan we're gonna do the same thing it's the big 10 championship it's our last game to talk about but let's be honest there's not quite as much to talk about so do you want to go with the ugly lopsided uh, matchup first, or do you want to go with the better? Yeah, let's go ugly offside. Let's first. get the ugly out of the way first, yeah. and then we can talk about the fun side. I've always been a uh, give me the bad news first before you give me the good news. So yep. I'm with you there, which of course is the and Iowa, on a high note, and on a high note, I like that, which of course is the Iowa offense versus the Michigan defense. Go ahead, where do you want to start with this bloodletting? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because. Obviously, we know we all know the struggles. It's well documented with Iowa's offense. And then you can argue this is going to be now the best defense that they've seen to put on top of that. To me, it's just like, okay, Iowa knows what Iowa is. Michigan knows what Iowa is. So we talked about, I just mentioned KF being kind of carefree in the situation and like, eh. And we know that this is Brian Ferentz. He's last Big Ten title game. What kind of wrinkles and tricks are they going to try to pull out of the bag? to do something in this game to catch Michigan off guard. Because I think early on in this game, you'll see this Iowa offense, whether it's a halfback pass or a Philly special or something from this offense, just to try to get some momentum and push things their direction early on. Because the one thing that can't happen is Iowa's offense cannot come out and go three and out three, four straight times because this game's going to be over fast if that happens. They need to do something early to get some momentum going their way to help extend this game out and let their defense do what it can do. Couldn't have said it any better myself. I, I think every Iowa fan would agree with everything you said. The, to bring up turnovers, they could be brought up at any point. So I'll bring it up now and I'll bring it up again. Iowa has to win the turnover battle if they want to try to uh, to win this game, which means zero. I'm, I'm saying zero turnovers on offense. I hate to put the have to play perfect card up there, but I'm telling you, no turnover will will be a good turnover or a, a that didn't hurt us turnover in this game. Iowa has to play clean. One thing I would say since you brought up 2021. Now, the game was 14 to three at halftime. I want to be clear. Michigan was the better team. Certainly, we're going to wear down Iowa and win that game. Iowa did miss on a halfback pass. Michigan hit on theirs, okay? That was the difference in the first half of this game last last year. Now, granted, Michigan's was a 75-yard halfback pass, okay? Like, a little bit different, but but Iowa's was from, like, what, the 20-yard line. It was there. Yeah, it was inside the 30, yeah. So, I'm just saying, even if Iowa hits that, halfback pass we got a 14 to 10 score at halftime and let's be clear 
that wasn't a good Iowa offense two years ago either, okay? And that was a very good Michigan defense. So I'm just using this as a point of reference. We can do that because there is continuity between these two staffs, okay? So so we can end a little bit of with the personnel. So we, we, we can kind of use that. Do I think it's possible that we see Iowa play a little bit cleaner and better on offense so that it's somewhat of still a passable contest at halftime. I do think that's possible, partly because Iowa is going to do exactly what Iowa always tries to do. Limit the possessions for both offenses in this game. Grind this thing to a halt. Keep it close as long as they can. So it's not crazy of me to think that Iowa and the points for first half points might not be a horrible bet to place for this football contest. No, I think you're right. That's that's a, I think that's a smart bet, honestly. And I, I might actually have to go play that here when we're done, now that you said that. But if you remember that 21 game, the whole reason that that half played out the way it did, too, was because it played exactly into what Iowa does. They got field position on their side, and they just kept pinning Michigan back in their own territory with excellent special teams play. And Michigan's offense couldn't do anything because they were pinned into a box, which is exactly what Iowa wants. The, the same philosophy, the same strategy has got to be where that is at for this Iowa offense. Like you said, don't make the mistakes. Keep your team in this game for as long as you can and hope that you can get this Michigan defense a couple times. A couple, know, a couple, times. A couple plays. And and as I'm big listeners, I want to be clear. Jordan and I are basically doing the same thing. We're coming up with near conspiracy theories on what it'll take for Iowa's offense. Let's I'm being, you know, I'm just trying to break this down as, as clear as I can. So we get that, but th- th- this, these are, these are possibilities is the one thing I'd want to say. It's not crazy to think the halftime score is 14 to seven. Okay. With Iowa's defense looking good and Iowa having done just enough to get some points on the board. there's been jokes put out all over Twitter. The halftime over under is 0.5 points for Iowa. I I mean, we can just kick a field goal to get to go over the 0.5. You know, I don't think it's outlandish to think Iowa can get the ball to the 28 and kick a field goal. Okay. I I think, I think that's possible. I I believe the big 10 conference will allow us to do that, but it's going to be tough. (laughs) All right. It's, 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 it's going to take that. And the one thing I would say is the pass rush was so great for Michigan two years ago, our poor offensive tackles and statue quarterback didn't have a chance. You have a great team defense. It's not as attacking as that defense was two years ago as far as splash plays. Is is that a fair statement? Yeah, th- this they don't have the Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabos, who they, they can't win with four as often as what they could in 21. They, they do they rely more on stunts and twists and sending a linebacker or a safety here and there to get home more often than not. Now they okay. are very good at disguising that and not letting you know For where sure. it's coming from. hundred so, percent. But it's when a I, different style of trying to do it. Okay. And what I would say is this, if people are looking at the Iowa Penn state score and then the Michigan Penn state score and just doing the correlation, I get it. I believe Penn state's defense is more, it has more in common with Michigan's 2021 defense than either of those defenses have to do with the Michigan defense. I sure, am not Chop saying, Robinson, Sutton, those guys. Right? Splash. To, right. Okay. Because the biggest thing that Iowa can't do is get behind the chains, second second, and 14. They're, they're done. They're done. And, and this game will be no exception. I'm, by the way, again, I feel like I have to keep validating this. I'm not saying Michigan can't do that. I just think there's a, a tiny gap 
of possibility there, even less than there was in Happy Valley on the wideout versus that Penn State defense. Again, I'm trying to check myself here, but do you think I'm crazy here or there's at least a little something there? No, I think what you're saying is plausible. Okay, plausible. And then obviously on top of this, can Iowa have a semblance of a rushing attack? It's it's got to at least be enough. Get it in manageable downs has has to be the case. Is that going to happen? Yeah, to me, and that to me, I think that's going to be the hardest part because that's Huge. where this Michigan defense has been so good is against the run. Absolutely, and I'm not expecting Iowa to run the ball well. Can it just have any form of success? Then hit the chunk plays, the 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 halfback passes, the 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 double move, and can Iowa's offensive line hold up to give Deacon Hill a chance to make those plays? That's it's 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 not. Everybody knows Iowa's offensive game plan. We're going to run the ball and try to keep it close and then try to hit a chunk play. It's Iowa has to hit that play in order to stay in this game. Yeah, and it'll be interesting too because it's it's we're not, we don't know if Will Johnson's going to play. I if I was a betting man, I would say he probably doesn't play. Does not. Yep. Um now that's not to say that Michigan's other DBs are completely terrible, but they're obviously not to the caliber of what he is, but that matters. You know, yep. a double move it only you only need to, it's only one time, and if Correct. it's a an inexperienced DB in that situation, it's more likely that that hits that way. And good news for Iowa, both Deontay Vines and Caleb Brown, who has come on here in the last couple Definitely. weeks, will both be healthy in this game. That that has not happened. They they haven't been both playing in the game either. Brown was held out because of lack of knowledge of the offense. They're both available again. Again, I I, I have to keep validating. I'm not saying that this is a gigantic factor. It's it's a factor is the only thing I would throw yeah. out to people. All right, we'll switch over to strength on strength. Michigan's offense versus Iowa's defense. I feel fine in that the matchup is Michigan wants to, when Michigan just caves people in right from the jump, is teams that they can just run downhill they're in second and eight because of an eight yard run right from the get go. And they just cave you in. I feel confident to say Mich- Iowa's defense is more formidable than many of the defenses <laughs> that you went up against. I would probably say all but two of the defenses you went up against. And those other two defenses did a pretty good job of grinding the Michigan offensive attack to a halt for about two and a half quarters was how it was most of the time. I think Iowa's defense is stout enough where they can have more wins than losses per down versus this Michigan offense. Yeah, you say per down too. To me, they it's first down. They need to win on first down Agree. a healthy majority of the time because like you said, if Michigan is in that second and short and then they open up the whole playbook to where your play passes and everything else, that's where Michigan's offense is really, really, really dangerous. If you can get them into that second eight or nine, now it changes things a little bit and Iowa can get more into what they're doing. So winning on first down is going to be key for that Iowa defense. And it's something Michigan has struggled with a little bit offensively against those better defenses that you talked about. And to me, I want to see more play action passes from this Michigan offense on first down because when they run play action, they're very successful with it, but they just, they don't do it on first down. It's always that second down play pass. It's it's becoming very predictable and you have to, these coaches are smart. So they, they know that kind of stuff. So is it like, man, we're just, it's a tendency builder type of thing. I, I just don't know, but that's something I want to see from the offense in this game is maybe a few play pass, a few shots and play action on first down to try to keep winning first down. That's those are excellent points. And you actually led me right into my sheet, which is what makes me the most nervous. What makes me the most nervous is 
unfortunately, and this is where you get into the injuries. Having Cooper DeGene out is huge for special teams and field position. It has left us thin at, at cornerback. Those shot plays on first down when we aren't expecting it as much scare the heck out of me. I tell you another one that scares the heck out of me. It's Donovan because his pass catching ability out of the backfield has been, it's, it's the one of the few elixirs for the Phil Parker defenses is throwing to the running back. I got to think that's going to be heavy in Jim Harbaugh's uh, arsenal, by the way, Jim Harbaugh back on the sideline Harbaugh being on the sideline has proven to be a good thing for his quarterback, JJ McCarthy. That's a, a factor in this. Another question. I'm assuming Roman Wilson. I know he was kind of iffy. No issues here, right? He's he's no, playing he's in good. this game. Yes, that's what he I, played. I, he played the whole game against Ohio State. He's good. That's that's what I figured as well. So those Roman Wilson over the top on a big play. Um uh um uh Donovan uh Edwards, sorry, coming out of the backfield in, in the throw game. Those are the th- things that that scare me the most. And the one that probably will tick me off the most is when we do get Michigan in third and sevens and Colton Loveland catches the pass for the first down. So like, this is a tough task that Phil you and every single other fan base that goes against him. Cause the dude's a wizard. There you go. Space on third down. And he's just, he's just good at running routes and doing that. So Iowa fans, when it happens, cause it will, it'll probably happen as early as the first <laughs> it's quarter. Happen. It, it's not just Iowa's defense. Like, what are we doing? It's, it's a tough multiple offense to, to go for. And then we haven't even gotten, to JJ's legs. I still don't know if he's healthy just yet. It does not. He's seem he's definitely not a hundred percent healthy. I think he was obviously we saw in the Ohio state game, he got out and scrambled, but there were no design runs. I mean, they brought in Alex orgy for the design run, which JJ's run that play, the exact play that Alex orgy ran JJ has run earlier in the year. So that right there. And I actually texted my buddy when he did it. I'm like, well, that tells me JJ's legs aren't a hundred percent because they wouldn't, they wouldn't pull him for that. I do think his legs are getting better, obviously, but they're, they're going to make a concerted effort to not run him in this game. Also looking towards the future. So I I'd be very, very surprised unless this game is late in the game and it's still close and they have to, the two that we see JJ actually on any design runs. Okay. That's, and I believe that can take the point total down for the game and for Michigan just the fact that JJ is more of a scrambler than a runner by the way hope he is completely healed up for beyond it doesn't for, sound for like it's anything structural I, I mean he's still like a high still playing. type he's right. still playing right so so it's it's there but that taking what we think is that ability to 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 design runs out that helps that helps the Hawkeyes on Saturday night maybe it's a little subtle help that people aren't looking at but it, it it it's a big deal so i do expect this to be a good matchup for iowa except that what happens in these games probably will happen in this game which is because the iowa defense is out there so much you start seeing out. the bigger running plays by quorum and the chunk plays in the passing game late in the third quarter into the fourth quarter which you know kind of gets me into you know the, the the game script that I have in my head. My guess is that's what you would see. People will forget all about the first two and a half to three quarters of the game. Focus on that last quarter, quarter and a half would be my guess on on how this kind of goes down. Is that is that fair to say? I think that's what Michigan wants. You know, we hear all about the Michigan quote unquote boa constructor and how late in these games. They, I mean, they did it to Penn State. 
they wore them down and eventually they just, they just keep running the ball and saying, can you stop us or not? And if you can't, we're completely content with running it 35 times. And if you put that Iowa defense as, as elite, it doesn't matter how good a defense or any unit is. If they're on the field for that much time, eventually they wear down and they break down. So if, if that's the situation that comes up, which is, it's entirely possible given the struggles that we've seen from the Iowa offense, then, then you could see that, that quote unquote death March happening late in this game. Yes. And, and you, I'll say this, you tell me if this is, is bad, but I honestly think uh, Iowa's defense would have a harder time matching up to Oregon or Washington this year because is that fair? Because of the style of chunk plays getting over top of, and especially defense. with Cooper out, especially. Yes. The this, weapons this, that those teams present. Absolutely. Right. This is a quote unquote, better matchup in the vein of I'd rather get sh- stabbed in the leg than shot in the leg okay if i have to choose sure. between that's, the two, a, that's a different analogy okay. but yeah okay, okay. Uh, and then last thing is special teams i'll just say this about iowa then you can add whatever you want for for special teams iowa special teams are still great unfortunately they are knocked off their elite status and that's because of cooper DeGene, both with punt returns and downing the ball now, with that being said, I still expect Tory to Taylor to make his presence known in this football contest at some point. Going to need one out of bounds at the two, you know, to put pressure on the Michigan offense at some point. Going to need to see that. I'll be disappointed if it doesn't happen, honestly. <laughs> okay. And then and then I'm nervous. We're suddenly nervous about our place kicking. No you have to be, though, after that, it, right? Yep. It, and it's, it's, it's not a spot Iowa fans are used to being at. Our place kicking has just been absolutely excellent over the years so they will roll out our number one kicker drew stevens who was there throughout the year that first kick whenever that will be hopefully there's one that happens will be an interesting kick for drew stevens to see if he can get his swag back yeah you know as much as the iowa special teams have been lauded over the years i'd like to say that michigan's special teams have been right there just a step or two behind iowa's they've been extremely good over the years too under jay harbaugh and I don't think this year's any different. I mean, we saw Tommy Doman in the last few weeks with his punting do his best Tory Taylor impression and pinning balls up the two-yard line. And transfer kicker James Turner has been very good for Michigan, been consistent, missed two kicks, and both of them were longer than 45 yards. So I feel really good about our situation, special teams-wise. Obviously, we don't have Tory Taylor because he's a god, but I think Tommy Doman is is a good knockoff of him for what we have to have. Tell you what, buddy, you go ahead and start getting your prediction. I'll 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 end her. Yeah, I think what we've talked about in this game, it's, it's what everybody's thinking. It's what everybody's kind of talking about. I, I think this is a slow burn early in Iowa. This Iowa defense proves to be stingy as it's always been and keeps this game close into halftime. But I do think eventually the Michigan boa constrictor does take over in this game. So I'm going to take Michigan 34, Iowa 10. So that's 24 points, so a half point over the cover or over the number but i like the over pretty comfortably in this game i mean i think 35 and a half is i get it it's two elite defenses but that's still a low number to me so i'm 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 taking the over pretty comfortably so a half point cover for michigan more comfortably over the game total lock of the week would be the over well go ahead that's your amador double barrel lock of the week we don't have much to pick from but that's what we can go with okay last year of the west east versus west the West has been unmercifully attacked. Everyone's attacked Iowa. You just the mere mention of Iowa football, the only thing you talk about is how bad the Iowa offense is. Rumors swirling that Kirk Ferentz, all the tears after the games, is is 
is he on his final couple games here as Iowa's head coach? Wouldn't wouldn't that be the most poetic, amazing ending for for the Big Ten where we're at right now? If Iowa could put all this stuff together, these conspiracy theories stuff together and pull off this upset, wouldn't that be a slice of college football right there? Unfortunately, that is not what I am predicting here. I tell you what, if Iowa, if, if I had, if you gave me everything that it looks the same for what we broke down, but there were two things that, that were true that unfortunately aren't, I would love my puncher's chance with Iowa. The two things I need is for Michigan to to be a readily turn the ball over team, but they're not. They don't turn the ball over. And Iowa is going to need to win the turnover battle. I'm going to say something like three to nothing in order to stay in and come out with the win. I don't see that happening. The other thing is my soapbox that anybody that knows me, I've been on for like three years now, which is if Iowa had a mobile quarterback to give them a puncher's chance that on third and seven, he scrambles and picks up a first down, Iowa does not have that either. And then you factor in top two tight ends, quarterback, Cooper DeGene. I unfortunately can just not see enough here for even my Hawkeye fandom to predict anything crazy happening. I think I will have a little bit better showing than people think. I've got Michigan 31, Iowa 10. So that is an Iowa cover. And at uh, 41 points, I also like this going over, and that will be my Amador double barrel lock of the week is the over in this game. One of my favorite quotes is, bet the over when you think one team can hit the over by themselves. We damn sure think Michigan would have a chance of doing that. So yeah, I like the over in this game. Yeah, a couple big turnovers at some point in this game, and that that's, that's another point of where that over could really get in jeopardy quick. Correct. So then after it's over, we are both uh, predicting that Michigan will win the Big Ten Conference. So Jordan, last question as you represent the Michigan fans. Are you going to accept the Big Ten Conference trophy and and stay in our little teeny 130-year-old conference here? Or do you guys bolt in for greener pasture? Do you, are you going to stick around? You guys stick around? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that Michigan's not going anywhere. Uh, okay. Um, okay. All right. I'm, I'm very, 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 very interested to see Harbaugh's reaction to taking that trophy from Tony Petiti, though. I, that is going to be interesting because there there is rumors that he was not at the Michigan Ohio State game. He didn't show up to that game, which generally that you know a game like that, yeah. the Big Ten commissioner is there. Yeah. So now the the big Michigan conspiracy is oh he won't show Tony Petiti won't show up to the Big Ten championship game. I'm gonna steal your line again. Me thinks he'll be there. He and me be. thinks that he'll hand off the trophy, but. I am very interested to see what old Harbaugh does taking it from him because we all know Jim tends to be a little eccentric. Did we get the old firm handshake that he got with Jim Schwartz and the Lions back in the day, or is it just a regular old, hey, thanks, and move on? Honestly, I think you're selling khaki pants too short. I I, I think he is the type of dude that just laughs this stuff off in two seconds. I, I, I Honestly, I believe this is a compliment to Harbaugh. I think he'll just shake his hand and make no big deal out of it whatsoever. He'll, assuming Michigan wins, he will turn around and hand it to his players and just exit stage left. That's what he's done at the end of games for the last two years. He's just, you know, he wants the spotlight on his players. To him, being a douche to Petiti and making a big deal out of this would be honestly out of character for how he's done at the end of these games. So I don't even think we're going to get that. It's going to be very... You're probably right. 
We're, it's gonna be very. You're probably angry. right. Just the, the the Michigan eccentric in me wants him to flip him two double birds and then walk off that way, but obviously that's not gonna happen. But I understand. Yeah, but I, I think it'll be a little anticlimactic. So there it is. I would say for a diehard Hawkeye fan and a diehard Wolverine fan, we, we did pretty good there, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I still like you. You still like me? We still yeah, had no ill will on this okay. end. I can tell you that. All right. Well, hopefully our listeners uh, enjoyed it as much as Jordan and I did breaking it down. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.